What if we lived in such a way that when people met us, they walked away with healthy attributes? Hi, it's Josh here, one of the pastors at West Valley Christian Church in Southern California. And we are on a series based on the book of 1 Thessalonians, where we are learning to live in a contagiously healthy way. Enjoy the message. Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm not Rob. My name's Josh Phillips. For those of you who don't know who I am, uh, I'm one of your pastors. I've uh, been here. Wow, thank you very much. Uh, I've been here for eight months now. Uh, my wife and I, we moved here. You've heard of the story. Um, and so I am, I'm super pumped to, to be able to share with you this morning. And my prayer is that as I share these words with you, that your hearts will be open, that your minds will be receptive, that God will speak into your lives in the same way that he has spoken to my life during this week as I was preparing this sermon. Okay, are you guys ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Hear the word from God? All right, all right. So, first of all, I want to ask a question. How many of you here are over 30 years old? Okay, majority, majority. No, not majority, maybe half and half. Okay, interesting, interesting. Over 40, over 40, all right. Over 40, that's me. All right, over 50, over 50. Okay, over 60, over 60. Sorry, I'll stop it right there, etc. Right? So we're just, the, the only reason why I'm saying, why I'm uh, doing sort of this weird kind of poll is so we realize that, that we're, there's a diverse uh, age group in here. And one of the things that I noticed is that when I turned 30 years old, 30 years old, that was 11 years ago, I realized that I had invested my life in different things. Um, if I look back at my life now as, as a 41-year-old, I realized that I have invested... I've invested about 18 years into my education. I know that that shows a lot, but I have. Um, wow, I thought you were going to laugh. I guess it shows a little bit, maybe. Um, and so, <laughs> trying to throw me off with that laugh. I, I totally lost my train of thought. What was I saying? So anyway, 10 years I've invested as uh, being a pastor. I've invested uh, 14 years into my marriage. I've invested 13 years into being a parent. And what happens is after time goes by, you would look back at your lives, and I'm sure uh, you do the same thing, and you look back and you're like, man, I've invested all this time, resources, stress, sleepless nights, etc., into these different things in my life. And the natural question that comes after that is, has it been worth it? Has it been worth it? Has my time been wasted? Have I worked in vain? So I look at my kids, and sometimes I have two angles. So on the one hand, I'll say we'll be having dinner, and then we'll be done with dinner, and then I'll uh, walk away, and then I'll go back to the table, and I realize that the table is immaculate. And then I look at my wife, and I'm like, man, maybe our time has not been wasted. Our kids actually picked up their plates and put them in the dishwasher. Maybe our time has not been wasted. But then on the other hand, I'll walk into the bathroom and realize that there's a towel on the floor, and I'll think to myself, I have told my kids to pick up their towels at least a thousand times. And then I'm like, maybe my, my life has been, my life, not my life, but my investment into teaching them how to pick up their, cell, their, their stuff out of the bathroom has been wasted. I think it's a legitimate question for us to ask ourselves and the different things that we've invested our lives in that we will say, has my time been, been well invested or not? So what I'm, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make today is that the Apostle Paul 
had the same question as he was working with this, with, uh, this uh, church in Thessalonica. He was asking himself, I've invested so much time into this church, so much effort, so many tears, so many sleepless nights, so many prayers. Has my time been wasted or have I worked in vain? So we go to um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. These fine gentlemen will hand you a Bible if you need one. If you don't have one uh, and you want to just look at the screen, that's also okay. It is 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. It is the Apostle Paul saying, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors may have been in vain. So he was asking himself about this church. He was in Corinth. He was far away. So he sends young Timothy, his apprentice, and he goes and he uh, hangs out with them, with the, the church in Thessalonica. And they go and they, they go to Starbucks and they hang out. They, they talk. They, they, you know, meet with their friends and they uh, have barbecues and they come to church and they, they do the, he, he hangs out with them to find out how they're doing. And then he comes back. And then the report to, uh, to Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 says this, uh, verse 6, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. And then he continues in verse 7 and says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all your distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Verse 8, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. So it was a good report. It was a good report. Paul was happy because the church was doing great. Let me tell you something about Pastor Rob. Pastor Rob's not here so we can gossip, right? No, we're not going to gossip. Don't worry. Let me tell you something about Pastor Rob. He prays for you like he really does. He worries about you. He has sleepless nights over you. He invests time his heart is with this church. His, his, his heart is with each one of you. Before he preaches every Sunday, he's in his office on his knees praying because he wants to deliver a good message for you. And I've never asked Rob this, but I know him well enough to, to, to think that the same question that the Apostle Paul was asking about his church in Thessalonica is the very same question that he must ask himself about West Valley Christian Church. Has my labor been in vain? Or... Am I going to be happy to see what's happening here? If young Timothy would hang out with you and go to Starbucks with you and meet the friends that you have and do the things that you do, what would his report be to Paul? What would it be? That's the question I want us to ask ourselves today, and we're going to pray so God can guide everything that we do this afternoon. Lord God, thank you, thank you, thank you for this church. Thank you for the people here. Thank you that I... I am given this amazing privilege to be here and to be able to, to teach. Uh, super overwhelmed by this because it's, it's amazing that you can use a normal person to give, give insight into your word. Thank you so much for that, Lord. I pray that our hearts will be open, that our minds will be receptive to hear not my words, but the words that come from you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing a series called Contagious Living, Contagious Living, and the whole premise of the whole series is how can we live lives that impact others in a positive way? And today we're asking the following question. If Timothy came 
to give a report. He came, he hung out with us to give a, a report to Paul. What would his report be? What would it be? Amazing. It would be amazing, right? Okay, let's work with that. We'll start there, right? Amazing, right? I mean, of course, amazing because we're doing the second floor, right? We have VBS, we have missions, we've got all these great things going on, we've got great worship and all these different things, so it's, you could say, amazing, right? But I want to dig a little bit deeper and ask ourselves, what is the criteria that the Apostle Paul was using in order to define whether the church was doing good or was not doing good? What is it? What is it? First Thessalonians chapter 3, let's go back there. Um, verse 6, it says, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your what? Faith and love. Faith and love. How are we doing? Well, tell me how you're doing in your faith and love, and I will tell you how you're doing. How am I doing? Well, how am I doing in my faith and love? And then I will tell you how I'm actually doing. Because if, if Timothy came back to Paul and he hung out with us here and he talked to him and, and, and Timothy would tell Paul, you know, hey, I came back from the church. And then Paul would be like, so how are they doing? Uh, attendance is great. Awesome. What else? Um, uh, they got VBS going on. I love VBS. That's a great thing. What else? Well, they're finishing up the second floor. They're, they're making a bigger church. Wow, it's great because they need more space. Uh, awesome. Anything else? Uh, yeah, they got other stuff going on. Okay, cool. So, so how are they doing? What do you mean, how are they doing? I just answered you how they're doing. No, no, no. You did not tell me how they are doing. You told me what are they doing. I want to know how they are doing. So it's a deeper question. And it's a question that I want us to ask ourselves, and I am starting with me. And this is a question that needs to be answered individually, because I could ask, how are we doing? And everyone could say, great, right? But it's an individual question. Each one of us needs to answer that question. Because the automatic answer that I hear many a time is simply, how are you doing? Live in the dream. Live in the dream, right? And I know there's some irony in that, and I understand that. But many times when, when people ask us or when we ask, how are you doing? You just say the things that you're doing. How are you doing? Great. I went camping the other day. I am, uh, uh, I'm planning on getting a second home. I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm furthering my studies. And you start to say all the things that you are doing. But if we came up to Paul and gave him that answer, what would he say? Okay, great. Those things are great. Now tell me, how are you doing? It's a question of faith and love. It's a question of the heart. How are you doing on the inside? Because our answer to the question, how are you doing, tends to be external, but Paul is aiming for the internal. Ours tends to be external. Paul, internal. Our criteria has to do with activity, right? I fall into the same thing, but Paul is going for the heart. It's all he cares about. And it's the same thing that Jesus cares about. That's why Jesus would always start with the heart. When he would come up to someone, he would never start by their sin. He would never start by their righteousness or self-righteousness. He would go for the heart because that's what he would see. And that's the only thing that matters. And we see it throughout the Gospels. That's why we see Jesus going off on the Pharisees so much. He would go off on the Pharisees because he would see that they were all about activity, about action, about self-righteousness, about the external. That's why in Matthew 23, 27, we see 
this uh, very famous passage where he's talking to the Pharisees and he's saying, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you actors. You put on a, you're putting on a show and then you're done and then you go back to your real self. You are like whitewashed tombs. So you are beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones and of the dead and everything unclean. So he was saying, look, you guys are just like whitewashed tombs. It's on the outside. It's like, man, that thing is really beautiful, but you know what's on the inside, right? And then he goes on uh, Matthew 23. We don't have that scripture, but it's the whole idea of, of, of a glass that looks so clean on the outside. It looks so great. But then you look on the inside and it's full of maggots and full of grime. So it looks great on the outside, but on the inside. And then we have another one in Matthew chapter 6 where he talks about how the Pharisees would pray so that everyone could see them praying. And then he's like, you know what? That's fine. Just let them, let them do that. They've got their reward because everyone's clapping at their awesome prayers. But he's like, no, go into your room. And by yourself, you pray to your Father in heaven because he's in the unseen. What does he mean by that? It's where your heart is. So that's all that matters. And then we got the flip side with the widow where it gives the, the, just, the, the, just a couple of pennies in Mark chapter 12, verse 42. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. And then calling his disciples to him, this was a teaching moment, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. So what was he saying? He says that externally this lady was, her offering was a joke. Why did she even show up to give that offering? And then Jesus says, no, she actually gave more than these other people. She gave everything. So the point I'm trying to make here, and I think the point that Scripture is trying to make, is that he could care less about what we do. He cares about the heart. And if what we do isn't an overflow of our heart connected to Jesus, he's like, I don't, I don't care about it. The heart is what matters. And that's what Paul is pointing at when, when he saw that the church was doing well. He was pointing at faith and love. He was pointing at the heart. And it's what Jesus was pointing at when he went for the heart. And it's what I'm trying to point at today when I ask myself the question and I ask you the question of how are you doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? If Timothy came and hung out with us, Faith and love would be what he was looking for. How are we doing on the inside? How is our faith? How is our love? How are you doing? And this is a tough question to answer honestly because it takes humility. My mom was an expert at doing this. When I was in college, I did my own thing. I had my own life. I was, I was living a very destructive lifestyle. And I would come home from college every so often and my mom would sit me down, and she would ask me a question, and the question was, how are you doing? And I would answer, and I would say, fine, I'm doing great, mom, so my grades are this, and my girlfriend that, and the music is this, and I would just start talking, just talking, 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 because I didn't want to answer the real question that she was asking me. So after I was done babbling, I would stop, and then she would say, okay, great, now, how are you doing, really? And I would pierce right through everything. She would pierce right through all those layers that I was trying to put up. She would go right through it all. She would go to my heart, to a tender spot where, where my heart was telling me, just tell her what's going on in your life. But then, fa then, but then I would just back away from that. 
You see, when, when we ask the question of how are we doing, and, and what I believe God is asking us today about how are we doing, it's, it's cutting through all these things that push us away from God that we put in front of Him so He doesn't go to that part where it's, it's tender and it makes us want to tear up that, that part in, on the inside of ourselves. Because what God is seeking is connection with us. He wants, to, he wants to connect with us. In the same way that my mom wanted to connect with me, God wants to connect with us. But we put up all these layers. How are you doing? Great. I read my Bible almost every day. At least one scripture every day. It's a layer. How are you doing? Good. I go to life groups. How are you doing? Good. I gave my tithe. How are you doing? Good. I prayed every day. And then God would say, what would he say? He would say, right, fine, good, that's great. I mean, those, all those things are great. Those are things that you're doing. Now tell me, how are you doing? And that's the problem because it's, a, it's, it's, it's the whole idea of us going back to the Old Testament um, mindset to where we would offer sacrifices to God, right? In Chile, I preached a sermon once called um, Stop uh, Killing Goats. Stop killing lambs, sorry. Start, stop, stop killing lambs. It was called, Dejen de matar corderos, which meant stop killing lambs. There's a translation right in the moment. Um, stop killing lambs. And people were like, what does that mean, stop killing lambs? Well, stop killing lambs was part of what they would do in the Old Testament. You would offer a sacrifice to, to, to God on the altar, and then your sins would be uh, atoned, would, would be covered over for a period of time. And people would be like, well, we don't do that anymore. We don't even have any lambs. Why, how, we, how are we still killing lambs? Where you, you are in the sense that you are still offering sacrifices to God, thinking that your Bible reading or all these things that are good to do, but you think that somehow those things are atoning for our sins, when in reality, that sacrifice has already been made by Jesus Christ, and we're good. Okay. So stop killing lambs is what I would tell them. Because we can tend to do this. I read my Bible. Here's my sacrifice. And God would be like, what? That's not, what? I mean, didn't we talk about that? Didn't we go through the gospel? Didn't I die on the cross for that? That's not a sacrifice. Oh, here's my tithe. Here's my tithe. And God's like, well, that's, that's, that's great. It's, it's awesome. But, but that's, you know, I mean, why, why, are you, why are you offering this as if that's going to make you presentable before me? That's why I offer my son. And that's the way of the Old Testament. And I think sometimes we can fall into the same idea. And it is absolutely, in God's sight, it is worthless today, as it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Verse 23 says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Now, I know that is sort of a scary passage, but, what, but the gist of it is that he is saying that the, everything that is external is worthless to God because he's going for the heart. And the things that used to bring us closer to God no longer work 
because they have been atoned for, and now we can present ourselves before God free of sin, so all the things that we do for Him, we don't do so we can have merit and be able to, to spend eternity with Him. It is because we are so grateful for what He's already done for us. That changes everything. It changes everything. That's what would trip up the Pharisees, and it's what I think trips us up today. It happens to me too. So Jesus, Jesus shows up in John 1, 29. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He did it. We are now presentable before God. He dies as a one and only sacrifice for the sins of the world. So back to the question. How are you doing how am I doing? If your mind immediately goes to activity or different things that you're doing for God or for your family or for your work, let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. How, how are we doing in our hearts? It's almost like if uh, Jesus were, were in front of you today, right now, I know I, I have Jesus-like features, especially the hair, right? <laughs> the Hollywood version. Um... So you do that laugh, and immediately my brain shuts down. <laughs> and I'm trying to re regain the, I don't know how Rob does it. He's a, he's a genius. So anyway, if Jesus were here, which by the way, he is, and he would be asking you, how are you doing? Or like my mom would say, how are you doing really? What would our answer be? I hope we can come to that spot, that tender spot in our heart. And I know some of us don't want to go there because that's where change takes place. That's where true, true change takes place. It has nothing to do with the brain or how we process the information about the Bible, how we understand God. All those things are helpful. But it's what happens in an AA meeting, for example, or in a Celebrate Recovery meeting, which someone once said that when you enter a Celebrate Recovery meeting, you've entered the no BS zone because you're just there, you've hit rock bottom in some cases, and it's like, this is just me. I have nothing to hide, this is just me. But to do that, we have to humble ourselves, like what James says in James 4.10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So God lifts us up from a place of surrender. We surrender to God, we recognize that everything we have, we've received from Him. And that we have really nothing to offer. And when we're honest with ourselves, I'm, in the deepest sense, we're all broken on the inside. Aren't we? I am. So let me start. I'll start. We don't have to do like a group thing, but I'll just, I'm going to start. And I'm going to recognize before you today that many times it's not good. It's not good. I feel sad on the, on the inside. I feel sad. I feel... I feel sometimes lonely, you know, I feel like I'm not enough. I feel like, like I don't get the, res the respect that I, s for some reason, think that I should get, which I don't understand many times. Um, sometimes I feel like a failure on the inside. This is, this is what I've been dealing with this week, presenting myself before God. And if we're really being honest, since we already started, 
and I've already done it twice in the morning. This is really good for me, by the way, and I, I really mean it. Moving, moving to the United States for me was a really hard thing to do. It was hard, and I'll tell you why. It was hard because I had my identity with our church in Chile. I worked in that church for six years. We started it basically from scratch, 35 people, and then we grew it uh, through a period of time to 200 people. We left in the best moment of the church as it was growing. And if you asked me back then how I was doing, hey, I was doing great. It was great. The church was doing great. The church was growing. We had a great service. We had great worship. We were the largest church in town. Uh, all these things going on that I would answer, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And I would immediately talk about the church. But it's almost like God showed up and he's like, how are you doing really? And it's a question of family. It's a question of how's your marriage? It was a question of are you being a father to your children? And the answer to that was it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But God is so good that he orchestrated everything perfectly. So the church in Chile has great leadership, and it was, it was just seamless into here, and I am so happy to be here now. I know this is where God wants me to be. But when I left, in my mind, I was like, what's going to happen to the church if I leave? God, I was praying, I was praying. God, do you think you'll be able to manage without me? <laughs> right? And the church is doing, it's, it's doing, it's doing really good. So the whole reason for this is that I cannot tell you the amount of healing that happens when you present yourself to God 100% broken and you just say, here I am, here's my heart. So here's the point that I want to make with all of this. Is that when we present ourselves to God and we present ourselves to others as broken, I believe that that is very contagious. It is more contagious than any information that we can give to another human being. I have yet to meet a person that has given their lives to Christ as a result of having all of their answers. So when we present ourselves, and we talk about contagious living, and we present ourselves, and we, we share with other people, I think we need to present, present ourselves as broken people. Broken people put back together by Christ. You see, when I think about this, an image comes into my mind. And it's this whole idea of, of the cathedrals and, and the stained glass mosaics. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the broken glass that has been, that has been put, put back together, has been glued back together. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's even more beautiful when the light shines through it. It, it just appears and it's just this beautiful thing. Of, of this glass that's been broken and then it's been, it's, been, it's been glued back together. You see, when I think about being a contagious uh, Christian or, 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 or living a contagious life, I don't think about, I'm going to have all the answers and I'm just going to present the gospel and then he's going to have all his answers and then he's going he's to mark the thing and he's going to walk down the aisle and he's going to get baptized. All those things are great. But when I think about being a contagious Christian or living in a contagious way, I think about, presenting myself before others as broken. I'm broken. I am broken, but Jesus put me back together. And when Jesus, the light of Jesus, shines through our brokenness, oh, that's a beautiful thing. And that's contagious. People may not even believe everything that we believe. 
But they'll say, that, that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. He doesn't have all the answers. He has some questions. But he's been put back together by Christ. So I want us to think a little bit about this. And as I close, just... Um, I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes. We're not going to do anything mystical. Don't worry. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to pray as we have our eyes closed, and I'm going to say a few things. I know that in this room tonight, there are many of us that, if we're honest, we have our hearts very tender, and we have put up some layers. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will break through all of this, all of the fluff, and that we will open our hearts and that we will allow you to connect with us in, a, in that tender spot where life change actually happens. I want to thank you for this message today. I want to thank you because you've, you've given me this message this week and I pray that you will help us understand that contagious living isn't about giving people answers. It's about presenting ourselves to others in a very honest way. And recognizing that you are the one who have, has put us back together in our brokenness. And that we will let your light, your light shine through us. I pray for that. And I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember, Lord. Thanks for listening. If you found this message helpful, why not help us spread the word by sending this message to a friend or a family member? You can also visit us on campus at one of our four worship experiences. For times and location, please visit us online at wvcch.org. Have a great day. You forget all my rebellions you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellions and my transgressions